0: Good morning. Good morning. Let's open in prayer. Our heavenly father, you bring us here today. You bring us to worship as one, to learn how you work in each of our lives, that there is no one set forth path except to follow you for the right way to be. Lord, and we learn how to be there from each other and from what, you have, from what you have taught us and how it applies. So Lord, have our hearts be open to, to hearing the message today and incorporating it in all that we do. This we ask in your son Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, nice to see pa- Pastor Jerry today.
1: God's plans are best. Things didn't always work out the way Paul had planned. Expecting to preach in Asia Minor, uh, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit, and they were told about that in Acts 1, uh, or 16 6. Looking forward to instructing the new converts in Philippi, Paul and his companion instead found themselves in prison. But um, they were encouraged, and um, by the response to the gospel in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, he uh, was suddenly assailed by a mob and, he, uh, and accused, to having, accused of having turned the world upside down. So as a result, he had to flee from Thessalonica. I can't ever pronounce that. But in every instance, God was in control. Paul was forbidden to preach in Asia Minor because God was opening a door in Europe. Paul found himself in jail but the Philippian jail, uh, man, a jailer and his whole family were converted to Christ. Paul had to flee Thess- Thessalonica, and Berea, the next and Berea, the next town over. It says received the word with all readiness. That's in Acts 17:11. Things just don't always work out the way we plan, but God has His plan. And if we commit our way to Christ, walk in obedience to him, we discover that his plans are always better than ours. Amen. So the hope for today, we may never know what would have happened if we something else went on, if we were able to do our own plan. In a certain situation, we got our own way. We can know that his way is perfect, and ours is not. And we can rest in that. Not my will, but thine be done.
2: Just like Rick is here, huh? That's
3: exactly what I was just thinking.
2: <laughs> is
4: Testament scripture today comes from Psalms 80, verses 7 through 15. Listen to these words today. I, I think it's a something that we need to do today ourselves. Turn us again to, to yourself. O God of heaven's army, make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. You brought us from Egypt, like a grapevine, you drove away the pagan nations and transplanted them in us into your land. You cleared the ground for us and we took root and filled the land. Our shade covered the mountains, our branches covered the mighty cedars. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea. Our shoots spread east to the emphasis river. But now, why have you broken down the walls so that all who pass by may steal our fruit? The wild boar from the forest devour it and the wild animals feed on it. Come back, we beg you, O God of heaven's army. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take care of this grapevine that you yourself have planted this son you have raised for yourself. We say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
2: I will sing of my redeemer. Yeah.
0: Our New Testament reading today comes from Matthew chapter 21, verse 33 through 45. Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, built a lookout tower, and then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop, but the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, what do you think he'll do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, He will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, Didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. Take your bulletin or read the uh, monitor. (laughs) With all my heart, I praise you, Lord. In the presence of angels, I sing your praises. I worship at your holy temple and praise you for your love and your faith. You were true to your word and made yourself more famous than ever before. When I asked for your help, you answered my prayer and gave me courage. All kings on this earth have heard your promises, Lord, and they will praise you. You are so famous. They will sing about the things you have done. Though you are above us all, you care for humble people, and you keep a close watch on everyone who is proud. I am surrounded by trouble. You will protect me against my angry enemies. With your own powerful arm, you keep me safe. You, Lord, will always treat me with kindness. Love never fails. You have us, don't, we are. don't give us on us now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, the gifts that we that we collect, whether they we mail them in or we drop them in the box, they are still gifts to you. They are gifts back from you to the church. We know that you have entrusted them to us and that you call for us to share with others who have less, to share the word, to share the different possessions you have blessed us with. So Lord, let us always give freely and let us always be guided by, by you on how, how that how those gifts are used. This we ask in your son Jesus' name, amen.
3: I've only been here 12 years, so I don't remember how we do things. Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you very much. Frank and Caroline. Frank, no Caroline today. Good to see you. Yes. Um, I've been carrying this pillow around with me, and I wanted to share it with you the last time, and I forgot to do that. So when I wake up in the morning, this is what I see at the end of the bed. It says, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. So it's how I wake up in the morning, so thank you. Father, thank you again for the influence that each of us have on other people and on each other, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to teach and to study your word today. And Father, for the table that's before us. It's such an important remembrance, Father, Thank you that we've established this so, because we forget so quickly. So prepare our hearts, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. During a British conference on comparative religions, experts from around the world debated on what was unique about the Christian faith. Someone said the Incarnation. Now other religious organizations and groups have had people reappear. What about the resurrection? Again, other religions and accounts of return from the death. So the debate went on for a while, and C.S. Lewis wandered into the room, and I'm going to quote him in his English way of doing it C.S. Lewis said, What's the rumpus about? <laughs> They replied and said, we're discussing Christianity's unique contribution among world religions. And C.S. Lewis, such a wise man and my wife's favorite author, he responded, oh, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. So I wanna talk just a few minutes and then we're gonna come to the table together this morning. But to prepare our hearts, I wanna say, talk about the benefits of grace. The Bible tells us that, first of all, we are saved by grace. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. It's given to us as a free gift. Because it says, for by grace you are saved through faith, and even that is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not of works, so no one can boast. So it's a gift. I love that. And also the Bible teaches us that we are not only saved by grace, but we are sustained. We are maintained by grace. Philippians, we read, God is always working in you to give you the will and the power to do what he called you to do. God will never ask us to do anything, that he doesn't give us the ability and the power to do that. And that power is grace. Excuse me while I sit down for a few minutes here. So we are saved by grace, we are sustained by grace, and uh, we are given talents, spiritual gifts, abilities by grace. Romans 12 says God uses us by grace. I love it. I think I've shared with you sometime in the past about the cartoon I saw about there was a a little boy uh, trying to open a door to get into a classroom. And the door said, pull, and he's pushing. And above the door, it says, class for gifted children. Uh, So, and we can't lose our salvation. We know that, and we teach that. We believe that. If we had to earn our salvation, then I think we need to be fearful that we could lose it sometime. And I'm always—people are always amazed when uh, they hear me talk about the fact is that we can't lose our salvation. What happens to us in our relationship to God is that we lose our fellowship. That's what is affected when we sin—not our relationship to Him, but our fellowship. With him. And so when we do sin, we don't lose it, but we hurt it. Christ said on the cross, well, He said, It is finished, it's over. In Judges chapter 1, it says, He is able to keep you from falling. So we're saved by grace, we're sustained by grace, and we mature by grace that undeserved, unmerited favor of God. We need to appropriate that grace. means to take it for ourselves and to understand it. And so to understand it well, the bottom line is everything, all things, are done by grace, all because of him. Everything God does in us, for us, through us, he does by grace. Robert Louis Stevenson said, I quote, There's nothing but God's grace. We walk upon it, we breathe it, we live it, and we die by it. It makes the nails and the axles of the universe. The Bible says in John chapter 1, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that I don't have to earn it. I'm glad it's a gift. And so we don't get grace through religion or rules or regulations. Listen carefully. We receive grace through a relationship. In Romans, in the Living Bible, it says, now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends of God. I love that. And when I was writing that, I thought it's great to have friends in high places, to have God. Well, we say that grace is free but we need to understand that it's not cheap. Jesus Christ bought it by giving us his life, his life. It cost Jesus his life. It's the most expensive commodity there is in the world. Jesus died on the cross to pay for it. And he never wants us to forget the sacrifice he made That's why we have communion today. That's why we celebrate it once a month. I shared with you before that the church that I served in Freeport, Illinois for 10 years, 10 years. Was that what it was? 10 years. Time goes so fast. (laughs) Iris, my sweetheart, is my memory for me. but they celebrated communion once a quarter. And so when I became their pastor, and they were Evangelical United Brethren denomination, and uh, when I came, they had changed the church, a small group of them, into the Park Hills Evangelical Free Church. But they were celebrating communion once a quarter, and I told them I didn't think that was enough I said, I don't want to do it every Sunday, but I want us to serve communion once a month. And they agreed to that, and we started doing that the first Sunday of the month. Jesus never wants us to forget, and that's why we have this table here. So he gave us this ordinance, this sacrament, this celebration to remind us at least once a month and I trust when we come in and see the communion table before worship, that we are reminded of the price that Christ paid for us. Let me just share a couple of points and then we'll go to the table. I don't want to rush through that. He did three things when he died on the cross. He did many more, but I want to name three of them. He paid the penalty for sin. That's called saving grace That's something we receive it means that the penalty for my sin has been taken care of He paid the penalty Secondly not only did he pay the penalty he broke the power of sin That's called sustaining grace That means that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit now gives us the power to change the habits and the hurts and the hang-ups in our lives that mess us up. It's called sustaining grace. There's saving grace, sustaining grace. And then there's another grace. Eventually, the presence of sin will be obliterated. Listen carefully. Annihilated, exterminated, eliminated, eradicated, disseminated, liquidated. (laughs) That's what eventually will happen, and that's called ultimate grace. When it comes to celebrating communion, I know that many of us have come from different backgrounds. And... um, But as we celebrate it together, I want us to remember that the bread represents the body of our Lord that was broken for us, and the cup reminds us of the blood that was shed. And I think people often, at least I have in the past, have wondered, what should be my attitude when I come to the table? And I want to just share one now, and then we'll come to the table. Gratitude. When I take the two elements that are in front of me this morning, they represent what Jesus did for me, for us. And I should be thinking, how could God love me like this? How could he love me this much? And this is how it says in 1 John, This is how we know that what love is, Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. So as we take this cup and drink it today, we want to say in our mind, Jesus Christ, thank you for your amazing, outrageous, inconceivable grace. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Father prepare today as we come to this table. We want to come with gratitude, Father, with thanksgiving, with praise, not in sadness. If there is something in our life that your Holy Spirit puts his finger on today, now, we need to confess it. But once it's confessed, Lord, we can come to the table with clean hands and a clean heart. Father, thank you for what your Son has done for us and prepare us now to eat and to drink together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen, and amen.
2: Let us break bread together.
3: Having taken a cup, when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And having taken some bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after he had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Father, prepare our hearts, I pray, for this very, very important time together. Lord, it's so easy to forget It's so easy to allow what your son has done for us to kind of fade off into the background. But, Lord, keep us alive and in our forefront today, especially as we eat and drink in remembrance of him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ask you to come forward and serve, please. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, this is the cup, which is given for you. He said, drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink in remembrance of him. Father, we do thank you for the gift of your son. I'm humbled when I think of the price that he paid and what he suffered. So i come to the table with conflicting emotions. My heart is heavy for what he had to do for us, for me. But at the same time to celebrate that he did it. That because of what your son did, we have access to you. We can go into the Holy of Holies and talk to you and call you Abba Father. And you say to each one of us, my child, come to me. My arms are open, and I receive you. Thank you for this time together, Father. We pray all of these things in your son's name, and for his sake. Amen.
0: Father, we thank you for this day, for this time together, for the grace that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, the grace that you gave freely Mm. through your son to show the love that you have for us. Lord, let us honor that. Let us remember and be the type of people you want us to be. This we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>